You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. We are two days removed from the 4th of July, and I just want to say something real quick. I am very lucky to have been born in this country. My life is in this country. Uh, It is, in my opinion, one of the greatest countries in the entire world, and uh, we have the freedoms to say what we want And for the most part, do what we want. And you can't get that in a lot of other places in this world. And uh, so, huge fan. (laughs) Like, if I was to if I was to uh, give the United States a review, I would give it five stars. Now we have our problems, right? We have our disagreements with each other, and that's the the cool thing about that is we, the people, have the power to make change, right? And we do that by voting. If you're one of the uh, people who they who does a lot of bitching but doesn't vote, well, I have no time for you, right? So that's the best part about this country is our 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 power is in our vote and and in our voice, and that's how we speak our mind. So uh, I just encourage everybody to vote. Um, how you want to vote. You know, if you want to see change, you have to be changed. You have to take action and action is through voting. So there's my uh, 4th of July Independence Day uh, speech. Now imagine this. For the last couple years, you've been watching a very big buck. And I mean a buck that this year has the potential to be a state record. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, I got a guest. His name is Barrett Burns. And Barrett has been watching this particular buck. And actually, it's two bucks. But one of them is potentially the walking Tennessee state record typical. And knowing where it's at, knowing where he lives potentially knowing what winds he uses to move back and forth in certain areas and that's what this episode is about 
I just think that is absolutely crazy that you know where this deer is at. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that can do that, right? If you manage large chunks of private property, you may have the ability to keep deer on all year round uh, on on property and manage their whereabouts through um, manipulation of timber, uh, bedding, uh, food sources, all that stuff. The kicker is this is on public land in a big, big piece of public land where a lot of other people hunt. So we're not going to get into the details of where per se, but we are going to get into the details of how he learned about this buck. We're going to get into the details of his strategy the last couple years leading up to this year where it sounds to me like Barrett is going to be going for broke. Like it's this deer or his running partner or nothing. And uh, that's the strategy today, man. I I really do think uh, you guys are going to enjoy this episode. I enjoy recording episodes like this, especially, you know, I always, uh, I always say, you know, it's not about the size of the antlers, it's the experience. But when that experience <laughs> potentially has really big antlers, that's just a bonus, man. So uh, I, I just want to say I'm sending Barrett as many good vibes as humanly possible because uh, after this conversation, man, I hope he connects uh, on this deer this year. Now, before we get into today's episode, man, if you're looking for a high quality saddle, you need to go check out Tethered. Uh, tethered has saddles they have uh, climbing sticks they got all the accessories that you need uh, for a saddle and not only that but they have a ton of content on their website and youtube channels showing you how to properly use a saddle and uh not only do they they have the product, but they care enough about their customer to teach them how to use it, and that's very important. Wasp Broadheads, man, uh, love the company. I cannot. I, I was talking to a guy this weekend, and I said, you know, I I, I want to I I want to go after big antler deer, right? I want to shoot a big mature buck this year, like like always. But there's this little part of me this year that wants to slay, like just stack bodies. And I know that may sound bad to someone who is not uh, uh, initiated into the hunting community or the hunting like deep into it. But there's something about filling your freezer that I did last year where it's just fun. And you can look in there and go, I did that. And I can feed my family and, and the meat that we're cooking, I can say, I did that. And so that's a win. That's a win for me. And that makes me excited. And, you know, big antlers make me excited too. But um, the the food thing is just a whole different layer. The reason I'm saying this is because I have a broad, I have a broad head that does a shit ton of damage. It's it makes it's con it, it gives me confidence right and that's what it's really all about is having confidence in your equipment and i know that when i put a um, a broadhead through a wasp broadhead through an animal it's going to cause massive amounts of damage they're going to lose blood and that animal's going to die and you could say well if you put it through the lungs or the heart yeah it could put a broadhead or a, a field point through lungs and heart and it was probably going to die but i'm talking about marginal shots with in the past i've had my fair share of marginal shots right and when that wound channel just destroys everything it touches and you pair that with a nice heavy arrow i'm getting penetration i'm i know that the broadhead's going to perform so wasparchery.com go check them out and i got a discount code here for you nfc20 nfc20 for 20% off uh let's see here we got hunt stand again documenting and journaling every time you go into the woods whether that's putting trail cameras in tree stands so you don't forget where they're at whether that is locating rubs and scrapes um, good pinch points food sources like an acorn tree and what you're doing is you're journaling and documenting everything that you do in hunt stand and uh, that way you can reference it and the more data you have on a map the better chances you're going to run into deer movement and, and have success 
whatever that success for you looks like, right? You determine the the success. HuntStand just helps you document all that. The cool thing is they have the most up-to-date satellite imagery. They have all, you know, it's, it's just the, it's the best, most functional, like the most functionality of any hunting app. And at the same time, it's the most affordable. So you put those together, it's a no-brainer, huntstand.com. Uh, you can download anywhere you want to download. And there's a discount code SN20 for 20% off. Vortex Optics, man, if you are looking for a uh, if you're looking for a, a pair of binoculars, spotting scopes, range finders um, that are very, very high quality, you need to go check out Vortex's website, right? The, the quality's there. That's why I work with them. The cherry on top of all of this is, yes, they have a product that will work. They have the VIP warranty is the cherry on top. And that is if you break it, whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault, they will replace it for free and get it back to you. That is superior customer service. And at the same time, the second cherry on top, right? They're dropping two cherries on you. The others is the customer service aspect of it. And you're talking about people who live this life, the shooting life, the hunting life. So they know exactly what you're going through. They can relate to your problems. And that means they can help fix the problems faster. So that's what makes Vortex a step above the rest in my eyes. So uh, there's that tethered wasp hunt stand Vortex. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Uh, other than that, I think uh, you should go to iTunes. I think you should leave a review. And now I think we should get into the, I don't know, the, just imagine this. I, I like, I still can't believe, just imagine knowing where the state record in your state is at. Barrett Burns does. And he's going to talk to us today about how he's going to go kill that buck. Three, two, one all right on the phone with me today all the way from tennessee mr barrett burns how we doing man oh good dan how are you i'm doing good man you got big plans for the fourth man yeah i do mowing and landscaping for a living I, we're in a bad drought i really need rain in the worst way but it's looking like we're not going to get any for a while so we're just going to do some cooking out and having some drinks by the pool and watching some fireworks at night i feel you that's what uh, we got planned. Let's see, this this Sunday, my family uh, and two other families in our neighborhood are, um, we always host a pre-4th of July party. So it's not on the 4th, but it's like a day or two usually in advance. And, and we go and we blow the shit out of fireworks. And we have a whole bunch of people come over and, and it's just a really good fun time. Here's the, here's the, the curveball though. There's signs around my town now that say, so in Iowa, you can buy fireworks, you can sell fireworks, but you can't light them off in, in certain places. Yeah. And so my backyard, is, the border of my backyard is uh, not necessary, it hasn't been deemed city limits yet. Right. So we just go right over this little invisible line and we, we throw them, you know, just launch them. And so, and so there's signs around town note that are like, no fireworks, no fireworks, no fireworks. Cause I have a feeling that people are, are kind of out to get us this year. Yeah. No, I don't really understand that. I mean, yeah. you know, it's for the kids. My kids yeah. love, you know, when I was a kid, I was, one of my favorite holidays was shooting fireworks off and having bottle rocket wars and all that. <laughs> I got a permanent scar on my back from a bottle rocket war we had once. But as dry as it is here, we probably will have a few little small fires here and there because, man, we hadn't had a, a decent rain in at least a month. And we've had heat and it's been in the 90s going on two weeks straight. And it's just it's really dried it up quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely parts of this uh, country that need rain. Here in Iowa, even, uh, the rain, um, it, it we had a pretty good spring, and it was real dry before that, but now our drought index seems to be going down. So uh, we've had some decent rain, and, and it's not as bad, but we've just gone through like a five- or six-day spell where we haven't had rain again. So uh, ground is getting dry, so, you know. Or how the crops look out that way. You know, they look pretty good. They were put in late 
for the most part, but they usually recover pretty good. We got we got rain in the forecast uh, later today potentially, maybe Saturday, um, but then it, you know we go another five days without it. So the one of the big indicators in corn is you know how if it's real dry the leaves will roll in. That's that's oh. what it's doing here. Yeah, we don't have that yet. Knock on wood. well, not where I'm at. So knock on wood. So everything seems to be on par with a good year. Yeah, I mean, I know we'll get rain eventually, but like a lot of our cornfields right now, the top leaves are curling up and turning yellow, and the yeah. farmers like right now is when they, whatever stage the corn is at now is when they're really needing the rain to to help it pollinate or germinate or whatever they use. Yep. That's a fact. All right, so a whole bunch of things we could talk about right now, but you sent me a message, or, well, <laughs> it was last year, okay? And you sent me a, a picture of two absolute gigantic deer, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and, and the title of this episode, I think, uh, is, you know, I might as well, I think I'm just going to, for for eye catching reasons, I'm just going to name it potential state record. That's right. And so, I want I want to talk about this these deer that you're hunting, right? And there's no mistake about it, giant deer. And I even asked you before we started recording, are you comfortable sharing, you know, talking about this? Because a lot of guys, if, you know, I'll be honest, if I had a deer that big running around on any even private property that I hunted, I wouldn't I wouldn't be talking about it at all. Yeah. Right. So, um, right off the bat, you have this deer. All right. You've watched him for a couple of years. He's giant right now. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of when you identified this deer. Like, what okay. year did you say, oh man, this guy could be something really awesome in a couple of years? Uh, let's see. This will be my third year hunting these deer. So, two full seasons ago. It was the first time I ever laid eyes on them. It was on a piece of public that I've hunted off and on, but I hadn't really messed with in, in the previous years. And I just happened to go there hunting one day. And I actually saw both of these bucks and another, you know, mature buck come out in a bean field before dark. Yeah. Which I was, I was too far to get a shot with a bow, but then I knew I, they were 200 yards from me. I watched them in binoculars for three hours. So I knew how big they were. So I go go back a couple of days later and I start putting some cameras out. And man, I started getting pictures of them within 24 hours of getting my cameras out. And this was in 2018? 2018. 2018. 2020, 20, this would have been 2019, the okay. season of 2019. Yeah, so the so summer, the summer of 2019 is when you first started getting uh, pictures of these deer. Yeah, August, August of 2019. Okay, so it's a piece of public, right? And right. So when I when I think of public, I think of people tr- kind of tromping all over it, and you know, hunting pressure, especially out east, um, especially in a, a state like Tennessee. I uh, I've got buddies that hunt Tennessee, and they say, you know, uh, pressure. You know, it's it's decently pressured, right? I mean, there's you're going to run into somebody. What what makes this particular piece of public so special that you think these deer were able to get old there man it's in the same area there's other parts of the public that i don't even mess with because it gets hammered so much yeah there's such a high deer density here the people just the people have been staying hunting where they've been hunting and they had i hadn't had anybody intrude on me not one time yeah and I mean, it's it's um, it, it's kind of CRP type type stuff. And most of these guys around here, they want to go off in the big woods and get in a big oak tree, you know, and just do the big wood style hunting. Yeah. I'm more of the type. I've killed a lot of deer out of you know trees that were big around as my thigh, being eight foot off the ground. Yeah. And most of my friends, they don't hunt like that. You know, they either going to use a climber. Or they're going to hunt on the ground. You know, a lot of people don't do the minimalist uh, run and gun type hunting that I've always done. And, I, man, I feel like I've got it perfected. And I'll go into spots and hunt where most other people wouldn't even get out of their truck and go mess with it just because it's, 
you know, it's it's one of those things you're either going to see when I'm going hunting, I'm not necessarily going deer hunting. I'm going to try to pinpoint a mature buck. And it's a lot of times it's either you see the mature buck or you don't see anything. It's kind of hit or miss, you yeah. know. So but it sounds to me like they're there for a reason, though, right? They, and they are. They are. Yeah. And, and this is the third year they've been there. They'll a lot of times I'll have them on camera until the last two years. I, I keep them on trail camera until mid October. And then about mid October, I wouldn't say they disappear, but they're gone. And then they just randomly show up the rest of the deer season. They may show up for two or three days and disappear for two weeks, or they may come back and hang around for a week and then be gone till February. It's kind of hit or miss. Yeah. From from the intel I've got off of them off the last two years, if I kill these bucks, it's more than likely going to be the velvet hunt, which we have a three-day velvet hunt at the end of August. I, I think we get to hunt earlier than anybody in the country now. Yeah. But we had a we got a CWD problem, so they let us have – we get to hunt the last three – the last weekend of August. Um, if you're in a CWD county, you get to use a rifle. Okay. So, and what's crazy is, I mean, I could hunt this deer with a rifle during the three-day velvet hunt and shoot him with a rifle and kill him, but I'm not a gun hunter, and I'm not going to change my ways. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I'd rather not kill the buck if I had to kill him with a gun. If I'm going to kill him, it's going to be with a bow and arrow, or I'm not going to kill him. Yeah. And, I mean, that's being stubborn, and one of my best friends has been on me for two years telling me, man, just take a gun down there kill him and be done with it but i mean i'm just i'm stuck in my ways man if i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna put an arrow through him or i'm not gonna kill him yeah i mean you can't call your i mean you're not a bow hunter if you use a gun you know what i mean right i mean i hadn't killed it besides a doe i hadn't shot a buck with a rifle in 13 years yeah and if i did kill this buck with a rifle i would still be on cloud nine but in the back of my head the rest of my life i'd be like but man what if i would have shot him at 15 steps with a bow you know for sure for sure okay so back to this piece of prop this public right um yeah so everybody seems to be going to these traditional old old faithful spots meanwhile you're you're moving around you're a little bit more mobile and you come across the these deer in this area on, on this first year you said there was three mature deer in there um yep one of them is this year you feel could potentially be a, a, a state record. Why yeah. don't why don't you talk to me a little bit about what these deer were like age class and antler size roughly best guess um, in in nineteen when you first saw them? Okay, in nineteen I would say I'm not I'm still not sure on the age class, but I'm guessing they're six right now. So I would say when I first saw them they were three. Okay. Right. And we had, there was three bucks. I'd say one of them was 160. The other two were in the high 150s. They were all three over 150. Okay. But one of them, one of them's a 12. So, you know, he's got, he's going to have a higher, he's got a big frame and long time. So that's going to help him out on a score. But starting off, I'd say high 150s, low 160s. And then they have just, they have the last two seasons they have grown i mean just uh, it's unreal like this year the pictures i'm I'm getting of them compared to the exact same time this time last year they're i mean i know one of them's going to be one of them's going to be 190 inches and the other one's going to be probably low 180s okay and that's ridiculous i mean oh man anywhere in the you know that country any weapon anywhere in North America. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let, let's just take one little backward step here. You, as three-year-olds, I mean, so the, number one, these, as three-year-olds in Tennessee, these deer are genetically blessed, right? They are. All right? They are. So you ran into a pocket of something very special. What would you say the average is around there? Like, you take those deer out of the equation. You didn't. You didn't know that they existed what would you walk away with at the end of your season and go, Hey man, this, you know, this, whatever deer you ended up shooting, that's a good deer for this area. Uh, t- to me, which I'm a little more picky, but 
145 to 150 inches to me is you can't you know i don't care how many deer you killed yeah 140 deer around here is really good 150 inch deer you definitely ain't gonna pass up all right so they deer, you know since the first time i've seen them they've been bigger than what i'm used to killing and now they've grown into like i i'd, I'd call this deer a once in five lifetime kind of buck yeah yeah you know especially in tennessee right yeah exactly man all right so you pull you pull a 140 out of the woods and let's just say a group of people are driving by they're gonna go holy shit that guy just shot a really good deer right so yeah if you got a 140 in the back of your truck and people see it they're gonna they're gonna come over and want to look at it yeah exactly okay so you started getting trail cameras up in 19 you started you know identifying them what did you do during the season of 2019 or did you even go in and try to hunt these deer? Uh, man, I, I, I took it. I was probably too cautious. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of stayed on the edges. Um, I, I really wanted to try to find out more Intel because I knew where they were. They felt comfortable for a reason. And to me, the reason was lack of intrusion from people. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to do was, to go up in there and let them know I was there and then yeah. them just because I mean they can they could easily be on other parts of public and be gone or get shot by somebody else if I you know if I run them off or whatever right right um I mean I, I really took it too cautious but I mean saying that this year I, st- I still plan on being ca- cautious but I mean when I feel like I have perfect conditions and I feel like I know I've got a good idea where I think they're bedding at. Like today, right now, the way the way my cameras are set up, if they're moving on it and they're in there, I'm pretty much got an idea of where they're headed to and where they've been. Yeah. Okay. So is this is this piece hard to get to? Is that what makes it so these these deer feel comfortable? Or is it just straight up overlooked because it's not big woods? It's overlooked because it's not big woods and there's so much other great public hunting in the same vicinity that the people just, they, they don't make it back that far. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I think they're hope and you know, and, and the other public that the people are hanging out on, I mean, there's, st- you know, there's still one forties, one fifties killed up there all the time. It's still great hunting, but they're not, they hadn't made it down to where I'm at yet. And they might, eventually but you know there's i've got an e-bike now so i've got ways i mean i'm not going if i got anything to do with it i'm not fixing to let anybody know give them any clue where i'm hunting because they may see my truck somewhere but with my bike and the walking i do i mean it sounds crazy but i may decoy my truck i may park it somewhere to make somebody think i'm hunting in one (laughs) spot and i'm in a totally totally different spot that's just the way I, I was raised by an older guy that, that was old school. He taught me how to bow hunt, and he's the secretive type, don't share nothing with nobody, blah, blah, blah. So I learned a lot from him. Yeah, I've done so, that before. Yeah. And, you know, and if he knew I was saying this on that podcast, on this podcast, he'd drive over here and kick my ass. But <laughs> he don't, he don't, do, he's not into the technical stuff, so he won't ever know about it. But, you know, it's yeah. just, I don't mind sharing it because, I mean, nobody, I, I've hunt. I hunt probably 10 different pieces of public within 45 minutes of my house. And all my, everybody knows that I hunt a little bit of everywhere. So, you know, it'd be different if I was just hunting one piece of public all the time. I probably wouldn't share this info, but I'm not too worried about it. Cause like I said, man, I've got play, I've got ways to hide my truck and I ride a bike in and yeah. I'm in places that nobody would ever, nobody even know I was in there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So is, is this, so, so people go into the same area they're just not going back far enough right and there's there's accident i mean there's people that drive right by it on the gravel road that i'm watching my binoculars and they don't even slow down to like you know when i'm driving through something i'll drive slow and kind of look out the window and see what's going on most of these people that drive by are looking straight ahead and yep. listening to music and not even looking out the window yeah man i'll tell you what I, I mean, I'm trying to think of what year it was. It was like the late thousands, so like eight or nine or something like that. No, it was early thousands. It was maybe like 11 because I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't kill a deer in 2011. 
And so I'm, I've been hunting a piece that where you had to go down this dirt road and you had to go around, you had to park, you had to walk all the way down this cornfield. And then you had to basically J hook into big swinging J back into the timber along a Creek and come up. And that's where uh, I was getting most of the action. And then I can just, re- I remember I get back in my truck and I'm driving after a morning hunt and standing right next to the road was this gigantic eight pointer. And so I started thinking like, Jesus, man, he's right next to the road. And this was probably, this was probably late October before the rut. And I just was like, he's not bedded. He can't be bedded too far from here. So I started making, I think I found where he was bedding. So I got up, I did some, some in season scouting that next day. Uh, I came in started looking, found a whole bunch of big rubs, probably a hundred yards off the road in a really thick pocket, uh, right up against the field edge that was in a, a low spot. And, and sure enough, like I didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't have a lot of trail cameras back then, but I was, there was a ton of signs. So I just assumed he was there, whatever that season didn't work. Um, now from a terrain feature standpoint for these deer, all right, you've been back there, you've scouted, um, what, what does this area look like for terrain and why these deer are comfortable there man terrain wise it's just flat river bottom there's no physical terrain yeah the only thing is you got old edges and woods a little growed up what used to be fields that are grown up now maybe you know a ridge through these woods is five foot higher than the rest yeah. that's what i'm calling a ridge you know yeah but man the the main thing with these deer are that there's so many crops and i mean they've got an endless supply of food and then they got you know the, the rivers within walking distance of where they're at every day so they they've got water at all times um you know i what worried me was being you know we've got the cwd issue now so now people can rifle hunt, I mean, twice as much as we could before they made these new rules. So you would think being CWD that, you know, these deer would have done got killed, but I mean, this is going on the fourth season of CWD, you know, rifle rules. And these, these deer are still walking. So they're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, they're, of course they're smart, but they're, they've got some kind of, they've had some kind of advantage so far. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've got to this velvet hunt to, to make plans and figure out what to do. Yeah. But I will tell you, I found out on our, on our three day velvet hunt to me, if you got a good bucks picked out or located, in my opinion, those three days, I've got the best, my best odds of killing these bucks are during this three day velvet hunt. Yeah just because they're going to be there. I'm not saying I'll see them. The conditions I have to be right. But I, I found out when you go to your truck and you get out of your truck to get dressed, if the mosquitoes are hammering you as soon as you get out, these deer ain't going to be in the woods. They're going to be in the bean fields. Yeah. That time of year, they're titty high, green. It's hot. So they'll go out there. They'll lay on that cool dirt. And if you if you get thirty yards from the woods out in the crops, the bugs leave you alone. They're they're all up in the trees. Yeah. So I found out when the bugs are bad, they're going to be out. They'll go out, and I've watched them two different times last year. They will go out in the beans and stay out there literally all day long. They may not get up but three or four times to take a dump, piss, maybe nipple on a couple beans, and then they'll lay right back down. Yeah. And they'll stay out there all day. And then I I, I would imagine when after it gets dark, that's when they're going to get up and do their roaming and yeah. go check some scrapes and kind of mingle around and see what's going on. Yeah. And just imagine how many people throughout the years walk right by deer that are in the woods or in the in the, I, the beans. Man, I've been watching these deer in a field before and have people driving down the gravel road. And when, you know, when these deer are so big, even when they're laying down on their legs on their bed in the beans, you can still see their horns sticking up. Yeah. But I've, I've watched them when they hear that gravel popping, they'll kind of hunker down a little bit. They really don't get hit all the way, but you can tell they know when they hear that gravel popping, they know just to kind of hunker down and lay low. And then when the truck drives by, 
they'll kind of relax and you'll see them kind of perk up a little bit. I mean, yep. they know, they know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So 19 season comes, you said you're a little too cautious. What did you learn about these deer in 2019? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Man, the main thing I got from them was what you got to have the, the, no cheat in the wind whatsoever, period. Sometimes you can get away with, with some iffy wins. These deer, if you don't have the absolute perfect wind, you don't even need to get in your truck and waste driving down there because they always move. Yeah. Every time I've seen them or I keep up with it on trail camera, 99% of the time they got the wind in their favor when they're going anywhere. Yeah anywhere but to get back to the in the 19 season during that three-day velvet hunt when i saw him i saw him that friday i missed one of these bucks the next morning i was in a tree i hunted till 9 30 it was hot it was it was weather like today in the 90s it was miserable so about 9 30 i get down and i go over on this one spot and i'm just glassing around and I look back to the field that I had been hunting beside, but I couldn't see because it was around the corner. Man, you could see this deer's rack sticking up out of the beans at 250 yards with no binoculars. So I pick up my binoculars, and as soon as I see him, I knew exactly which buck it, it was. A, it was the it was one of the two big bucks, but it wasn't the biggest one. It was his but running the, partner. Yeah, but at the time he had a third main beam. He was funky looking, man. Yeah. But to make a long story short. I end up, I had the wind in my favor. I stalked through this bean field, got within 27 yards of this deer. He never knew I was in this world. And he was facing away from me. And all I could see when he was laying down was from his ears up, like the back of his head and his horns was all I could see. And I've, I've killed deer, taken a headshot before when that's all I had. So he's looking away from me. I draw back. And I was going to shoot him square in the top of the neck. You know, I mean, it was a kill shot. You with know, a, with a bow. With a bow. Okay. And, and when I shot, it went right between his antlers. I, I guarantee you it cut some of his hair. Yeah. But this deer got up. He never once looked back to see what happened. He got up and ran through these beans, and it sounded like you was driving a truck through a corner. Right. It was the most, you know, you can imagine a 230, 240 pound deer. He wasn't bouncing. He was running. He didn't yeah. know what happened, but anyway, he got out of there. And I know a lot of the listeners are going to be kind of iffy about, you know, wondering about taking a headshot, but two weeks later in Missouri, which is 30 minutes from me, the area I was hunting, it's growed up CRP type stuff. It was the first time I ever went hunting with a saddle. I get up in my tree, was, you know, get my saddle adjusted. I look over, this this buck had gotten up out of his bed 60 yards from me. Sit there and fed for about five minutes and lay back down. And I've had this encounter enough. I told myself, I said, if he lays down, I'm getting down and going after him. Now, I'm not going to sit here in this tree and watch him get up at dusk and walk away from me. I'm not. Go- I'm either going to kill him or I'm going to mess it up. So I get down, stalk up to within 30 yards of where I think the deer is, and I stand still for an hour and 15 minutes, not doing nothing, got my arrow knocked, just standing there. And then all of a sudden, I hear some grass and leaves moving. This deer pops up 30 yards from me and starts walking directly away from me. He gets to 40 yards Standing up, I can see his whole body, but he's facing six o'clock to twelve o'clock, looking straight away from me. Yep. And man, I I've shot I shoot my bow five thousand times during the summer. I felt confident. So at forty yards, I put the pin right on where his neck runs into his head, and I shot. And the deer, this buck went down like you shot him with a thirty out six. Never never even batted a muscle. Walked over to him, dead as could be. 
never <laughs> never even never even took a step. So I was confident with taking the headshot. It just didn't work out on on this other deer. Dude, like I'm I, I don't know what to think of that. All right. Because even me, like I I I feel like I'm more killer than I am like th- the the guys who say oh i'm only waiting for a complete broadside shot so i can slip it right behind the shoulder and i can double lung him that's the only shot i'll take i think that's bullshit okay i'm a killer if i get an, if i get um, an angle to where i can put a lot of arrow in a deer i'm going to do it okay yeah. and and sometimes sometimes if i'm off to the right or left that may mean i'm hitting liver and coming out you know, back towards the guts, you know, or That's whatever. Right. So I'm not afraid to take angling shots. So what you've said here just now is that you killed a deer with a headshot. You missed a deer with a headshot. And there are people right now shitting their pants. Oh, be- yeah. Yeah, because of, of what you said. Now, if you want to talk about vitals, the spinal cord and the brain are considered vitals, right? So that was my thought. You know, as I'm about to shoot this deer, I'm thinking, man, all I got to do, which it's it's not a lot of room for error, but I mean, like I said, I've practiced and sh- I shoot my bow year round. I mean, I enjoy it. I love it. I, I like to, I want to be a master at what I do. So I feel confident with my shooting. And I knew, I mean, you know, as good as I do, if you get a bullet or a broadhead into that spinal cord, it's game over, period. Yeah. They're, they're, they're done. And, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this. They're like, man, I can't believe this guy would do this, blah, blah, blah. But, man, you don't know how many times I've not taken a shot at a deer because I didn't think I had a good shot. And he mows his own out of my life and I never see him again. I mean, I, I try to be ethical. The last thing I want to do is wound a deer, yeah. period. I, that, and, you know, knock on wood, I usually don't have that problem. But, you know, that's. That's my main goal. The last thing I want to do is wound a deer and be blood trailing for two days and not yeah. find it, blah, blah, blah. That that makes me sick. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, man, if you get a shot and you feel comfortable with it, you know how you can shoot. Nobody else can tell you yeah. how good you can shoot or what you're comfortable doing. You yeah. know, so, yeah, ideally, it'd be awesome if they walk by 15 yards perfectly broadside and stop and look the other way. But most of the time, I mean, with me, that don't happen. Yeah. And and another thing, Dan, I've killed two or three bucks that were walking. I was in a tree stand, and they were walking to me head on, and I shot them right there in the brisket, and all three of them deer died and fell quicker than if I would have shot them broadside double lung. Yep. yep. I mean, I ran that air right up through the pump house. It got, it got heart, lungs. It got everything. Yeah. And, and you know, most people won't take that shot. Yeah. But I've done it enough now. If a deer comes walking in, into me 12 o'clock head on, and that's the only shot I'm going to get, I'll take it every time now because I know what it can do. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, that's what happened to me this year. I took, a, uh, I took well, the deer in South Dakota I shot that I'm looking at right now, Euro-mounted on my wall, was a hard quartering towards shot, right? Yeah. I, missed a, I missed a little bit to the back, and I hit um, – I nicked the liver, stomach, guts came out the back end. I hit a, I hit a whole bunch of main arteries, and he he bled out. You know, I followed the blood trail all the way to him. All right, yeah, pulled him out of a river. Um, the deer this year, same thing. I hit him about uh, what would you say, twelve inches below the the throat patch, right yeah. to that crease of the neck and the shoulder. Uh, oh like yeah, right right in the center, dead center of the chest. It did exactly what you said, right up through the heart and lungs, and he went boom, boom. He he pounced or he jumped, jumped, fell over dead. And so, yeah, to me, it don't matter how yeah. you get it in there. If you get it in that, what I'm calling the pump house and the middle mass of the chest cavity and stuff, yeah. I mean, they're they're done yeah. in my opinion. Okay, back to the story though. All right, so we yeah. toured with this. Like, I don't know how to feel about a headshot. I'll, I'll just I'll I'll say this. I. I mean, if it works, it works. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Uh, awesome. But I don't like, I'm absorbing that right now. I, I want to say, I, part of me is like, that's awesome. And then the other part of me is like, oh, just hang on a second. Don't, don't get I, too fired up yet. I, I'm, I'm the same way. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not nothing I would recommend for anybody else to do. 
Yeah. And you know, hopefully I never have to have to make that choice again. But just in the situation I was, if I didn't take that shot, I would that deer was gone. I mean, that deer was fixing to walk out of my life. That's the only option I had. Yeah. So and you know, I tried to do it on this this deer we're talking about in the beans and it you know, it didn't work out with him. If you know, if I had to sit there for another five minutes, he may have stood up and gave me a perfect broadside shot and everything might have worked out great but at the time i done got so close in i was like man you know i gotta make something happen quick before you know i didn't i didn't want the wind to maybe kick around and i, I didn't want him to, he didn't know i was there and i didn't want him to know i was there before i shot you know if he stood up he may have caught me trying to move to draw back or something and it may have blown the whole thing or yeah. he may have stood up and looked the other way and just give me a bullseye to shoot at you yeah. know any other encounters with those deer uh, in the 2019 season? Uh, I saw him again one other time in daylight in the in a crop field, and I never the big the bigger one. I've never since the first time I've seen him, I hadn't laid eyes on the bigger one yet. Gotcha. Okay, so then going into the 20. 20- like the 2020 season then the summer of 2020 the 2020 season did were you heavily focused on that piece again yeah Yeah. as soon as season was over i'd say during february went down there and walked and walked and walked because you know by then i wasn't too worried about you know if i blew them out of there that's they still got eight eight months to get over it i just wanted to go in there because there was a, a lot of pieces i hadn't walk through and see with my own eyes yet because i thought that's where the bucks were and i didn't want to get in there and booger them up you know yeah so i went in there and just walked and looked at every piece found i've got 20 trees trimmed ready to you know run a gun in right now i hadn't been in 75 percent of them but when i went through there in february if i saw a spot that i thought i might could get on them and get a shot at and be a good spot i went ahead and got me a tree cleaned up that way you know that was two years ago but i could still go get up in one of them this year and not and just maybe have to snip a few things and not have to do any major trimming right right so you went in uh you did some scouting uh did you find in that scouting in the winter of 2020 did you find anything specifically that was you know, that gave you good intel? Man, I found four good spots, four different bedding areas where I know for a fact it's where they were bedding. And since then, I've been able to adjust my cameras. I don't have cameras on their beds, but I've got cameras. If they get up and take 15 steps out of their bed, I mean, the other morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, I got a picture of one. He's so close, you can't even see his snout. You can't even see his fur. All you can see is the rack in front of the camera. That's it. He's four foot in front of my camera. And they've been, and I've leave, we leave, I've left cameras out. I've got cameras that I hadn't pulled in two years. Yeah. I just go down there every once in a while and they're cell cameras. So every once in a while when, when the batteries get low, I'll go down there and try to clean up and just kind of go around and touch them up, get in and get out. But I mean, I've got cameras that I've been running since February that I ain't even had to change the batteries on yet. So I hadn't had to go back in there and, you know, do anything like until this velvet hunt, I won't go, I won't go back in there to do anything. I already know if I'm going to kill them, I already know the trees I need to be in or the trees I need to be in to see them, to get down and go after them. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's a, there's probably, it's a 50, 50 chance if I'll shoot them out of a tree or shoot them on the ground, it depends, you know, if they're out in the crops, I got to get down and go after them, but I've got certain trees picked out that I figured out their kind of travel pattern. And if they are on their feet in daylight, I've got some good trees that I feel like I could probably get them out of too. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so you got this place covered in cameras right now. When, when was the last time you had a picture of, uh, one of these deer? Last night. Last night. Okay. Yeah. So, so you yeah. know, and then is it consistent? Man, it's about every once in a while they'll disappear for about three days. And I think it's because of the 
it's been so dry they kind of have to venture off a little further for water and i think maybe they're just hanging out by the water for a little longer but i'd say in a in a 30 day month period i've got pictures of them 24 days so i mean i know so you that, found their core area yeah right? I've, I've got them i've got them pinned down now it's just up to me to put it right. all put the pieces of the puzzle together and make it if it don't happen it's more than likely gonna be my fault it's yeah. the deer are probably more than likely going to cooperate and be in the area i just gotta do my job and figure out how to get up get one of them on the ground this is nuts man this is nuts all right oh so, it is dude i mean i lay down in bed every night i mean you could just imagine when you turn your phone off and lay over in the bed and try to go sleep i mean hell that's all i think about and then as soon as i wake up every morning the first thing i do is check my pictures on my phone yeah I mean, it's like clockwork, man. I mean, I just, I think about these deer every day for the last three years. So for a thousand days straight, I've thought about these deer every day. Yeah. That's nuts because I, I've had really two, maybe three deer in my entire, only, only that many in the entire, that, that entire hunting career that I only went after a deer a season. Right. Yeah. And so I had one back in the, um, late 2000s early 2010s that i was chasing uh and then another one a couple years after that and then one more like 18 19 20 21 so in a four-year period or three yeah four seasons there and he, he disappeared so i'm kind of torn on what to do because with me hunting public i've never really hunted a specific deer yeah i run cameras i just try to my main goal has always been just to kill a mature you know 140 inch and up deer mature deer i'm perfectly fine with that so i've never had to like you know i've 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 put so much time in on just thinking about this deer and how to kill him and what i can do different stuff and it's that's all new to me and like last year when they when it didn't work out early season i was like man i'm gonna go hit my other spots i'm not gonna just zone in on this deer and miss out on hunting good deer in other places that i that i typically get on but i will say this year as long as i have the the conditions are right that i can go hunt them i'm going to go hunt them every day until they disappear or somebody else kills them yeah and if it you know if if it's a bad it's not a good place to hunt where i hunt it's not good with the west wind so anytime i have a a win that's not good for down there i'm just gonna go to my other spots you know and there'll be a lot of days I, the weather it's not gonna be right for me to go down there after them but yeah. as long as i'm getting pictures of them i know they're alive and i've got good conditions to hunt them i'm gonna go hunt them okay. and i may waste you know i may waste 75 percent of my season and not kill one of them but it, it ain't gonna be for lack of trying because i'm fixing to uh, i'm gonna try to do anything i can I'm just going to try to put together everything I've learned over the last 12 years of bow hunting and just try to, you know, think outside the box. That's, that's my best way to describe it. Like I'm trying to think and do stuff that other hunters wouldn't do because what all the other hunters have been doing hadn't killed these deer and what I've been doing hadn't killed them so far. So I've got to do something different and they're moving in daylight. It ain't like they're nocturnal. I mean, they get nocturnal, but especially early season. I mean, I've I've got so many pictures of them in daylight, so they, you know, they can be killed because they're getting up on their feet before the sun goes down. So that's one thing I got on my side. They're comfortable where they're at right now. Yeah. They don't know. I mean, they don't know that I'm what you know that I've got cameras watching them right now. They'll walk. I've had deer that get spooky when I put a camera up. These deer, they'll walk five feet in front of them, and the, from the pictures I get from them, it's like they never even know that that camera's there. Okay. Dang. All right. So, dude, this is crazy because right now, it's almost like you're just waiting in line to be the first one at some Black Friday sale. Right? Oh, yeah. It's it's ridiculous, yeah. man. I mean, you know where they're betting. I'm not good. I don't have good patience. I right. mean, I'm, you know. Right. So, but like it amazes me, which I know deer shed and start growing earlier than other deer. But like, from a lot of the hunter, I follow just a crap ton of hunting people on Instagram, and I can honestly tell you, man, I have not seen a deer anybody put a picture up of a deer anywhere in the country this year that's got as much bone on their head as as this these two deer do right now. Jesus, man, I don't know if that 
I don't know if it's because maybe they started growing earlier than others or what. But like I said, they're for sure both Boone and Crockett. And the bigger one of the two, it, I feel confident saying he's going to be between 190 and 200. Yeah. And I didn't ever think I would be able to say I could hunt something that might be close to a 200-inch deer without having to go pay a guide fee and go hunt somewhere, right. you know. This different. is on public land. So public, pu- public ground. Land. Yeah. Public ground in Tennessee. This place is 40 minutes north of my house. I mean, it's a 40-minute drive from my house. It's not too far from Kentucky, but it's, I mean, it's public ground that gets hunted hard and always has. I mean, it's yeah. it's where I cut my teeth on hunting. Yeah, yeah. Right now, there's some guy listening going, man, I'd love to find out where that spot is. Meanwhile, it's probably the, the spot that that guy hunts. <laughs> yeah, and, and and if not, he's drove by there uh, 20 times. And just, right. You know, he's, he's wanting to go get in these big woods and go hunt a draw or the edge of a slough or something where I'm just a big CRP guy. I like, I like where I can see a long ways, like a place I hunt in Missouri. I mean, it's just a big lake bed. It used to be a lake bed. Now it's just grown up and early. Like if you tried to go walk through it right now to put a camera out, you, you would go 50 yards and you would say, screw this shit and turn around and go back to the truck. Yeah. Stick tights, just bugs, just grass, eight foot tall. But then you go in there early November, you can get, I can get up in certain trees and I could see a buck with good binoculars. I could see a buck stand up at 700 yards. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's that type of terrain, you know? All right. I want to, I, I gotta, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit because we're running short, short on time here, but okay. So obviously you didn't kill any of these deer in 2020 or 2021. Okay. No. But just a real quick answer. Did you have any encounters with these deer in 2020 or 2021? I saw both of them in in the daylight last year, not together at two different times. And it was during the velvet hunt and the first two weeks of season. After that, I've, I've yet to lay eyes on them hunting from the first week to October on. Now I've got plenty of pictures of them in daylight, but you know, it's just, I mean, I guess it's something I do. I just haven't been able to put the pieces of the puzzle together yet. Yeah. But I ordered a big map last year of this property and I've got it hanging up in my hunt room on the, and man, I'll go in there at night and just stand there for 10 minutes and just looking around and just trying to, I've got, I've got a couple plans this year, a couple spots that I, I hadn't tried yet. And my cameras are telling me that I, I should probably get in there and try something try some different areas and that that's my plan right now is to i'm not starting from scratch but i'm going to be hunting different trees and different ways than i did last year so basically you have these deer surrounded pretty much okay pretty much so you have you've had months now i mean since the end of the the season last year until now you even have a couple more months you basically have two full months until that velvet season kicks in you're staring at your maps. When you vision, when you vision this hunt going down, where you, you draw back and you arrow this new potential state record, how do you envision this whole thing going down? Be as detailed as possible. Talk about access routes. Talk about wind direction. Talk about trees. Talk about where he's coming from to where he's going. Okay. From from the times I've seen them. And what my cameras are telling me, I think, and this sounds crazy being early season, I think if it goes down, it's going to go down in the morning. Um, I think it's going to be on an edge. Like, I I probably, if I'm in a tree, more than likely, I'm going to shoot them in the crops or coming coming out of the crops, coming coming back into bed. I think it's going to be, be on the edge. It's probably going to be either a first 30, 45 minutes of the day or the last two hours of the day in the afternoon. But every time I have encountered deer, they've all, anytime I've hunted this place and I've, I've encountered deer, it's so thick in certain areas, man, when they come by there, every deer that I've ever seen, I could shoot just about, I mean, they're all 15 to 17 yards from my tree. I mean, I've got my, 
trails and, and my spots picked out. I just hadn't, I hadn't linked up and been there on the right day or, or you know, whatever. But I think if I kill the, one of these deer, I think it's going to be through the three day velvet hunt at the end of August. In my opinion, I think it's going to be that or nothing. I think so. Don't just don't, the way the, the, the way the crops are, they'll be lush green. So they'll be, they'll be hammering them fields, um, which they already are. But, I mean, I think I could be wrong. You know, I wouldn't mind shooting it, shooting him during the rut, chasing a doe right up under my tree. But if I had to bet my paycheck on it, I'm going to kill him that Friday, Saturday, or Sunday of that velvet hunt. That I, I say 75% chance if I kill him, that's when it's going to happen. That's tough, man. I mean, I mean it's, the window's it's so to, small. To, to think about him all year and then and – then, Honestly, tell yourself, you know, if I do kill them, it's probably going to be within this three-day period. That, that's tough. And that, it's it's frustrating, but I, it's challenging. And, I mean, I, I accept the challenge. I know it can be done. I mean, I know my odds are I, I probably won't kill him, but I know that he can be killed. And if I can just line up and do put get me a good plan together, I mean, man, I think I can make it happen. I feel I feel confident. And so from a from a time frame standpoint, at some point he disappears, right? In in October he disappears or in September he disappears. It, usually when the beans when the beans drop their green leaves, when they start turning brown and they're not green no more, that's usually when they're they kind of turn more sporadic. You know, they may not show up for five days and then you may get pictures of them for two or three days straight, and then you might not see him or get another picture of him for a, for three weeks but i think until them beans turn I, i've i've got them where i want them then if i don't get them by the time them beans turn it's pretty much a crap shoot after that gotcha because during the rut they will i mean these deer will travel i mean we've known by running cameras in other areas i mean it ain't nothing for these deer to travel two miles in 24 hours they can be totally you know they could be a lot ways away from us you know in half a day so it's nothing for them to get up and leave but they always come back they always come back at the end of the season and they're always there through early season so that's why i'm saying my first you know either that velvet hunt or my first two or three hunts of the regular season that's gonna be that's gonna be my best opportunity no doubt i tell you Dude, but to throw, to, and and of course me, I got to make things even more complicated. Last year I started traditional hunting. I got me a recurve and got into that. Kill me a good deer with it last year. So I've made my mind up. I mean, it's people are gonna call me crazy. My best friends tell me I'm a damn idiot. But I'm hunting 100 with my recurve this year. So if I kill this deer, it's gonna be with a stick bow, or it's gonna be with nothing. So you're an idiot. I mean, you're an idiot. Oh, yeah, I'm, You're a, so I'm either an idiot or I'm going to be the happiest guy. Oh, America. you'll be a, you'll be the king, the dude. Two. If you slay this deer, you're going to be the king, man. You know where oh, he's dude, at. If I shot this deer with a recurve, I don't even know if I could stand to be around myself for about a week. You just retire. You just retire from your but, job, live off the proceeds from, you know, going around all the trade shows, telling your story, sell, it, on, to, tell, sell it to a magazine. <laughs> oh, yeah. And That's, you know, I may, I may, I may look back and want to grab that damn recurve and break it over my leg. Yeah. But knock on wood, I mean, most, I'd say ninety percent of the deer I got on my wall, I shot within twenty-five yards. Yeah. You know, and t about twenty-eight to thirty is my max with a recurve on a good day. So. Yeah. You know. We'll see what happens. I mean, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, man. I, I, are you going? Are you? Is it all or nothing on these two? The these two deer, or 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 are if a one fifty walks out in that same velvet period that you don't know about, are you going to shoot him, or are or is it all or nothing on this early season for one of those two big deer? It's all or nothing because I've got a one fifty ish type deer running with them right now. And any he he'd be the biggest deer I've ever killed with a bow. Yeah. But I mean, I can honestly say if I go there on that velvet hunt, that one fifty walks by me, I'm not picking my bow up. And I've been, I mean, I've, I've, I've never, I've never passed a deer that big myself, just because where I live, you can't really pass one fifties. 
But the situation I got going on right now, if that 150 walks by, I'm just going to get my phone out and video him because I'm not, uh, he's not who I'm there to kill. Right. You know, right. it's all, yeah, it's all or nothing. It's, it's one of these two books, bucks or nothing in this, in this certain area. Now yeah. I'm not saying I won't venture off and go somewhere else, but as long as I'm getting pictures of them and I know they're in there, I'm not leaving. I don't care if, if they hang out to November, then I'll be going there till November. So why don't you go and try to find them where they moved to, or is that on like a private piece you think? Well, the thing is where they go when they, when they leave it, they I, majority of the time I'm thinking they're on private and then the public sometimes probably, man, it's just so many people hunting it. I just, I've, I've dealt with in there having people on top of me and they hunt with rifles during certain parts of the year, they'll get to take their rifle. And I just, man, I, you'll drive by some of them spots and it'll be five trucks within half a mile parked off the gravel and they're all gun hunting. And man, I just let them have that. I, I don't even want to go up there and compete with that. I'd rather go stick to my own thing and maybe not kill one. But, it, you know, as long as I've got some encounters, I'm happy with that. It's not all about to kill with me, but I've gotten so obsessed with these deer I mean, my, I, I've got them named, like my wife, I could show her a picture of one of them. She can tell you which one it is. I mean, she knows as much about them as anybody. I've, that's all I've <laughs> talked about for two and a half years. Woo, buddy. But for her for her sake, I want to kill it just so I ain't, she ain't got to hear about it no more. Right. That's all she's no, about. No, because what's going to happen is you'll shoot that one. You won't tell anybody where you found it. And, and then, then the next go year you'll go in and go get the next one. That's right, because man, they've been breeding for the last three seasons. I mean, these these big ass bucks have been breeding, and I think this one fifty that I'm getting on camera from the genetics looking of his rack, I think it's one of one of their kids. So, I mean, they're doing their job, even if something happens and I don't kill these two deer. I think I'm gonna have another good little crop coming up from from their offspring. Heck yes, sir. Well, I tell you what, Barrett, man, best of luck to you. Dude, you got to come back on regardless of the outcome. I, I need you to come back on at the end of the season or maybe even sooner um, of this velvet hunt that you did. We got it. We need an update because. Uh, oh, dude, dude I'll, I'll keep in touch with you. And when something goes down or something don't go down at the end of the season, or whatever, we'll get back together and I'll recap you. And hopefully we'll be putting up a picture of me in about a 195 with a recurve. <laughs> Yeah, on I the cover of a magazine, hey, man. We'll meet up at a trade show and I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, I'll buy you a beer. So That's right. All right, my man. Well, good luck. Keep me posted and, and you keep an eye on that spot, man. You too, Dan. Good to hear from you and have a good season, man. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Barrett, man. Man, I'm sending good vibes your way, brother. Hopefully you connect uh, in late August when that uh, season comes in. Huge shout out to Tethered. Huge shout out to Hunt Stand. Huge shout out to Wasp. Huge shout out to Vortex. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. iTunes, leave a review. Stitcher, leave a review. Wherever you download your podcast, leave a five-star review. Let everybody know that the Nine Finger Chronicles is a badass podcast, man. I'm, I'm confident. I, I think the content that I put out is, man, second to none. And so I'm up there with, with the big dogs, in my opinion, right? So tons of great content. Other than that, good vibes, man. It's that time of season. It's that time of year where we need to start putting in the work behind the bow, right? We need to start shooting. We need to get our gear ready. We need to make plans. And that way the wife is happy, the girlfriend's happy, or the kids are happy and to take care of that. And then when it comes time to hunt, you can hunt hard with no regrets, man. And that's the goal. So good vibes in, good vibes out, wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time.